Welcome, everyone. We're on chapter five, topic three, verses sixteen to nineteen. State of Supreme Being. If everyone can turn their microphones off, please, that'd be um, wonderful. There's an echo coming. This topic three, we're going to try and cover verse 16 to 19, hopefully. So quick recap, verse 13 was a description of a jnani. It said a jnani is a person who has reached the state of self-realization. But even though he has reached this state, he's still acting in the world. He is said to have renounced all actions mentally. He's not interested in anything in the world, totally withdrawn from the world. Even though he acts in the world for his physical body, he remains a witness a disinterested interest to all that happens around him. That was verse 13. Verse 14, it said, the self Atman is the source, the enlivening principle in all beings. Meaning none of us would be here without Atman, the self enlivening us. No action can take place without action, without Atman. But Atman has nothing to do with the actor, meaning us. In the way we act, neither the result of the action. Atman is the same in all of us, but it remains neutral. A sakshi, a witness to everything going on. Beings function based on their vasanas, nature. Everyone has a different nature that manifests. And therefore, all beings behave differently. Verse 15, the world is made up of pairs of opposites and time, space, and causation, cause and effect. Without Brahman, Atman, no action is possible, whether good or bad. Once again, Atman is not responsible for the kind of action, whether it is virtuous or sinful, good and bad. These are worldly qualities. They're part of the world, pairs of opposites. Atman is beyond the pairs of opposites that define the world. Atman is transcendental, beyond the world. Any questions? Okay, we'll start today's class. Verse 16. Nyane na tu tadaj nyanam ye samna sitamatmanaha te samadit yavaj nyanam prakasayati tat param nyane na tu tadaj nyanam ye samna sitamatmanaha te samadit yavaj nyanam but in whom ignorance is destroyed by knowledge, in them knowledge reveals the supreme like the sun. But in whom ignorance is destroyed by knowledge, in them knowledge reveals the supreme like the sun. The supreme meaning the self, Atman, Brahman. Ravi, can you read paragraph one? 
People are ignorant of the Supreme Self, Atman within. Knowledge alone can remove ignorance, like light removes darkness, intense darkness, however long it has existed, vanishes with the first ray of light. Likewise, however deep and long-lasting your ignorance, it will disappear with the advent of knowledge. Knowledge of the self destroys ignorance. So, most people are ignorant of the Supreme Self. This is what he's saying. Most people are ignorant of Atman. They believe God is in heaven or somewhere. Different ideas. They don't understand God is within us. It's a new, it's a completely different concept to most people. They don't know the role that God plays in our lives in this universe. Take my example I give you. I had no idea the concept of God. I had no concept that God was within me. First time I came across this subject, it was a revelation to me. God is within me? I didn't realize that. I was completely ignorant of that fact. So the more I started going to these classes, the more knowledge I received of Atman Brahman within me, the less ignorant I became. Before these classes you've been you're attending, some of you may have heard the term Atman Brahman, the self, but you may not have understood the term. Some vague idea you may have. And as you come to these classes, you gain knowledge of the self, Brahman, Atman. You're learning in a concise manner, in a scientific way. So most of you have the Bhagavad Gita. You may be studying it. So by coming to the classes, studying the Gita, reflecting through this process, you slowly remove your ignorance. See, what is the first paragraph is saying is only knowledge can remove ignorance. Just as light removes darkness. That's the example given. Knowledge removes ignorance just as light removes darkness. Room may be completely dark for years. One ray of light and the darkness is gone. Example, the pyramids. Inside, it was completely dark for thousands of years. As soon as they entered and lit the torch, the darkness was removed. What is the, um, what's it trying to say? What's it trying to say for us? However deep your ignorance, knowledge will. Remove your ignorance. What's it trying to say? So, anyone? Yeah, Vanita. That you need to know that the knowledge will only lead you to the self. That's all. That's all. That's the only path, basically. Without the knowledge, you cannot see the self. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? What else? So what he's saying is, no matter how deep or long-lasting your ignorance is, remember the analogy, uh, pyramids, thousands of years, darkness, one ray of light, the darkness is gone. Similarly, you yourself, doesn't matter how deep the ignorance, how long it's been, it may have been there for many lifetimes. But soon as you receive this knowledge of the self, your ignorance is removed. No matter how deep, how long it's been there. Any questions? Is that clear, Vanita? Ravi, paragraph two, please. 
In Hindu mythology, Aruna served as the charioteer of the sun god. Aruna means dawn. Dawn heralds the sun. Dawn dispels the darkness even before the sun rises. After much light has already pervaded the earth, the sun suddenly makes its appearance on the horizon. The same phenomenon takes place within you. You are presently infested with doubts and delusion arising out of your ignorance of self. As you gain knowledge of self through spiritual study and reflection, all your doubts will clear up. Your worries and anxieties, all the stress and strain of life will disappear even before you attain self-realization. After gaining sufficient knowledge and completely clearing your delusory misconceptions, Atman suddenly reveals itself in self-realization. Perfect. This is how it's done. The analogy there is comparing sunrise to self-realization. To give you some idea of how the effect is, it's saying night dies away when light appears at dawn. First rays of lights, light appear in the morning. You can see everything. It's no longer dark. Similarly, as you gain a little knowledge of the self, you gain some clarity about life. And the result of that is some of your stress and strain, your agitations in life are removed. Just a little bit of knowledge. become more happier, more contented. Things that bothered you before does not bother you anymore. With just a little bit of knowledge. Even if you don't reach self-realization, you still benefit from walking on this spiritual path of self-discovery. That's what it's saying. Just as the dawn, the light appears, you can see everything. Sun may come out or not, it doesn't matter. You can see, the, you can see everything. Similarly, with a little bit of knowledge, you benefit from peace and happiness. Then as the sun, see, when it is dark, you can't see. Similarly, when you're ignorant, you can't see, you don't know, you're not benefiting. Just a little bit of light, a little bit of knowledge, that's all it takes. Then as the sun appears after some time, Similarly, if you continue on this spiritual path, gaining knowledge, study and reflection, removing all your ignorance, eventually it says you'll reach the state of self-realization. Does everyone understand the analogy? That's what that paragraph is saying. So what does it need? Effort. That's all it needs is effort that conviction. Any questions? Paragraph three, Ignorance marks your, sorry, ignorance masks your divinity like a green mantle of moss covering the surface of a lake. Push the moss aside and the crystal clear water appears. Pull your hand away, the mantle again covers the water. Suddenly sweeping away the moss in this manner only temporarily reveals the clear water. To reveal the clear water permanently, one must remove the moss little by little. As you take a little moss out, the mantle becomes thinner. Consistently continue the process and you will permanently clear the entire lake. Many ill informed people adopt temporary ways and means of clearing the moss of ignorance in themselves. But such methods only push the moss aside. At best, they may provide a solace for a while, but they do not take them towards the ultimate experience of external peace and bliss. Only taking in knowledge of the self, such as the scriptures teach, removes the veil of ignorance and reveals the self. So it says the only way is through knowledge. There are other paths that people follow, but most of them only give you temporary peace and happiness. It doesn't last, it's not permanent. 
It's temporary because you're not dealing with the root of the problem. Through knowledge, only can you permanently remove your ignorance and reach the self. This is what the Gita is saying. Any idea why only knowledge can remove your ignorance? Any idea? Why is that? Get importance given on knowledge. It's like any, um, you know, as you go through life, the more knowledgeable you become about a certain subject, you, you know, it's like um, the best way of putting it is it's when you come across an obstacle, you're only scared of it because you don't have the knowledge how to overcome it. So when you have the knowledge, it, you, you remove that. It's no longer an obstacle because you've actually gone out and gained the knowledge to deal with it as such. So hence the importance of knowledge throughout your life is moving in, you know, moving, a, what's the word, understanding and moving across any sort of obstacles that you see. Okay, good. That's a good answer. I'm looking for a slightly different perspective. Benita? Can't hear you, Benita. Can't hear you. No. Mic's not working. Your mic is off, but it doesn't seem to work. Okay. Anyone else? Think about your personality. What are you made up of? Deepa. Uh, gaining knowledge strengthens your intellect. So then you're able to distinguish between the good and the bad. Between the good and bad. And can I just ask right. you, what do you, what do you, what is good and bad as far as you're concerned in this? In this uh, uh, bad is creating more vastas. Yeah. And good is getting rid of them. Very good, very good. Absolutely right. So, knowledge can remove your ignorance because what controls the mind is the intellect. Knowledge develops the intellect. And it's the intellect that controls the body controls the mind, controls the desires, and the vasanas, as Deepa said. If you don't have a strong intellect, then you're acting based on your mind. What does the mind act on? Emotions, likes and dislikes. Therefore, knowledge is the only way to develop the intellect and then control your personality, set a goal. Only the intellect can set the goal and strive towards it. Does that make sense? Because this is your makeup. Only your buddhi can take you to wherever you wanna go, not the mind. Only devotion, only karma cannot take you there. You need knowledge also, if you're a karma yogi or a bhakta yoga, Bhakti Yoga, you need knowledge with that to take you to the end. That's what he's saying. So you don't have to be an intellectual. You could be a Karma Yoga. You could be a devotional person. But without knowledge, you don't know which direction you're going. You don't know how to get there. And there is proof that this works. Where's the proof? Siltina? What's the proof? Anyone know? What is the proof? There is proof to say this path works. The proof is in the Upanishads. All self-realized souls explaining how to get there. And they tell you through knowledge. And they've been, they've got there and explaining what that state is when they've reached there. And they have no names, but everyone explains it differently. The same state. 
And that's the proof. Any questions? So you're all gaining knowledge. So you're all on the path. Keep on to it. Don't stop until you get to the goal. Just because you suddenly start feeling happy, content, peaceful, don't stop at that. Take it right to the end. Any questions? Is that all, is that clear, just now? Yeah. Okay. 17. Dat put highest that manas, Danishtas that parayanaha, Gachant yapunara riptim, Nyana nirdu takalmasaha, Dat put highest that manas, Danishtas that parayanaha, Gachant yapunara riptim, Nyana nirdutakalmasaha. With mind and intellect established in that, with that as the supreme goal, they whose sins have been dispelled by knowledge reach a state of no return. With mind and intellect established in that, capital T, with that as the supreme goal, they whose sins have been dispelled by knowledge reach a state of no return. This confirms to you what happens when you reach that state. There's no return, it's saying. Ravi, could you read um, seven, uh, verse, paragraph one and two, please? The preceding verse describes the state of human perfection, a state following the destruction of ignorance and realization of the Supreme Self. This verse speaks of the same state with reference to an enlightened person's past. The two verses draw references to his present and future. One reaches the ultimate goal whose mind and intellect are absorbed in the Supreme Self who is well established in that as the ultimate goal of human existence and whose doubts have been dispelled by knowledge of the self. Thereafter, he never regresses to a sinful life. Sins refers to the mental agitations caused by his unfulfilled vastness or desires. Through multifold past lives, a person acquires vastness. All these vastness together determine his present life. If he does not exhaust them in the present, they will also determine his future reincarnations. As long as vasanas exist, they manifest as desires which agitate the mind. With the exhaustion of vasanas, the agitation cease and the cycle of birth and death ends. This means no more reincarnations. Instead, the exhaustion of all vastness brings the eternal bliss of Brahman. Whence no one returns to his mortal life of limitation and sorrow. So you gain knowledge and you remove your ignorance, which is what we just covered. It's saying this happens when your mind and intellect are absorbed in the self. What does that mean? Anyone? Absorbed in the self. Any idea? When your mind and intellect are absorbed in the self. Any idea? So? It's not in the world. What is in the world? The mind or the intellect. Where is it? Just thinking of the self. Thinking of the self. <laughs> Single focus. Your single focus is on the self. That's what it means by mind and intellect is absorbed in the self. That should be your only desire, your only goal in life. 
See, it says that line, who is well established in that. Capital T means the self. As the ultimate goal of human existence. And it's saying once you reach that goal, you never go down again. It's like when you were a young child, you used to be in the world of toys. You played with all sorts of toys. When you grow up to be a teenager, you see the world differently. Your passions are different. Your desires are different. You don't go down again to the toy world. You don't become a child again playing with, with dollies and pollies, do you? Because you've grown out of it. Similarly, it's saying once you reach that stage, you don't go back down again. One does not revert into sin again. What does sin mean in philosophical terms? In the way we're studying, what does sin mean? Agitation. Mental agitation. Thank you, Vijay. Sin means mental agitations. Why do you get mental agitations? Why are you mentally agitated? I'm going back to basics now. Unfulfilled desires. Unfulfilled desires. Unfulfilled desires and vastness. That's why you get mental agitations, which is here. It says it's a sin. Forget the word sin as you know it. Sin means mental agitations. Vasanas come from your past life. And you create new ones in this life. Yeah? Everyone with me? Vasanas come from your past life. You create new ones in this life. These vasanas manifest as desires. I want this, I want that. If they are not fulfilled, then your mind gets agitated. Your mind stays agitated until that desire is fulfilled. You know, a child throws all his toys out of the pram. I want this one. I want to play with this toy. Starts crying. That's how we all are. Until that desire is fulfilled, internally, we're agitated. So what happens when you're agitated mentally? You should all know the answer to this. What happens when your mind is agitated? Hmm? What happens to you? When your mind is agitated, what happens to you? How do you feel? You feel sad, you feel... Very upset. Angry, angry, sad. You don't feel right. You're unhappy. When the mind is calm, you're happy. It's a fact. When the mind is agitated, you're unhappy. When the mind is calm, you're happy. And this continues all our life, as long as we have vastness. It's a fact. Only when you exhaust your vasanas, your desires through knowledge, then this birth and cycle end. If you don't exhaust your vasanas, then the remaining vasanas at death propels you to take another birth. Therefore, you'll be then reincarnated again. See, energy can't disappear. It has to turn into something. These vasanas, desires are the energy that will propel your next birth. They can't vanish into thin air. And the kind of birth depends on the quality of the remaining vasanas. The quality of the resultant vasanas, meaning all your vasanas that are left over, Remaining at death will propel your next life. Does everyone understand that? We're going back to the basics of um, cause and effect reincarnation, but I just wanted to cover that. 
And this is how it works. And the kind of birth, as I said, depends on the quality of the remaining vasanas. What happens if uh, the quality of the vasana is, I want to reach self-realization, you didn't, you didn't manage to uh, reach it in this life. And your last thought is, heck, I didn't reach it. Maybe next life I'll reach it. What happens in your next birth? You'll be attracted to that path. You will be attracted to that path. Yeah. So your next birth is dependent on that quality of the vasana. See, you hear about these children, you know, they're like seven years old and they can chant the whole Gita. Where did they, where did they get that from? Or they're so spiritually minded. And they're only a child. And it comes naturally to them. In the past life. So if you exhaust your vastas now in this life, no more agitations, no more reincarnation, you're finished. Who wants to come back again? Anybody? Does anybody feel as, I mean, genuinely I'm asking, yeah? Um, does anyone feel as, yes, I want to come back? So if you analyze your life, all of us, we're all suffering. You have these little bouts of peace and calm, but it does not last long. You analyze yourself. This is what the Gita is saying. You analyze your life. You have these little bouts, which you hang on to, but it doesn't last long. The problem is we get used to the suffering. We get neutralized to it. And that's why we don't realize it. We get neutralized to it. Same thing every day, fulfilling desires. Sometimes good desires, sometimes bad desires. That's, where all we're, that's all we're doing from the time we wake up to the time we sleep. I'm not trying to make your Sunday miserable. <laughs> but these are the facts. You analyze your own life. Any questions? Anyone disagree? You can disagree. This is what these classes are about. So this brings on to a question asked by a class member. The meaning of mumukshatwa. What is the meaning of Mumukshatra? Can, can I explain the meaning of Mumukshatra? Has anybody not heard this word? All the people who got the video on. Okay, Hema, Kewal. Okay, Joshna. Okay, great. We can cover this. What is the meaning of Mumukshatra? So, Mumukshatra, any idea? In simple terms, Mumukshatra means the burning desire for liberation. It's a very important word, this actually. The burning desire for liberation. I'll throw some adjectives to you. Feeling of confinement. Feeling of being trapped. Imprisoned, frustration, sense of incompleteness, unfulfilled, feeling shackled. This is the opposite of Mumukshatra, by the way. It's like someone, you're in the swimming pool. Yeah, analogy here. You're in the swimming pool and someone's got your foot, someone's got their foot on your head underwater. Yeah. What is the yearning of getting out of the water? How strong is that yearning, that burning feeling you want to get out of the water? 
You can't breathe. You need oxygen. You're struggling. Someone's got their foot on your head. That burning to get out of the water. So the Mumukshatra means how strong is that feeling in you to get out of that situation? I'll give you some other terminology. In some people, there's more Mumukshatra than others. Some has zero Mumukshatra. Feeling of liberation. to be free from this world, to be free from this body, this mind, this intellect, to be free from desires, to be free from vastness. I want to reach that state. How strong is that mumukshatra within you? All of you have some amount of mumukshatra, otherwise you would not be here. You may know it or may not know it. But all of you will have some amount of mumukshatra, otherwise you would not be in this class listening to this subject. That burning of liberation from this life. And that mumukshatra can manifest at any time. Any questions? Does that explain it? Robin, does it explain it? I thought there was a link to vasanas there. Being I free from vasanas. What is your the mumukshatra you have, the desire, the passion to free yourself from worldly vasanas to reach that goal of the self? That is another way of explaining Mumushatra. You're shackled in this world. You're shackled to your vasanas. You have to free yourself from that in order to reach the self. The amount of Mumukshatra is the strength that you have to liberate yourself from these vasanas and from this world. Does that explain it better? So, thank you. So, if we're thinking about verse 16, mm. where it says, um, Ignorance masks your divinity, mm. like the green mantle of moss. Mm. So, Mumukshatwa, from my understanding, is, is that there could be some of us who just push that moss aside and are happy with that little glitter of water that we see. But real mumukshatra is your determination to say, I am going to remove this moss, even if it kills me, and nothing is going to come in my way to remove it. And the constant, consistent effort where nothing else, that single pointed focus, where nothing else matters, matters comes in the way, you've got no other wanting to do anything else but remove that and yeah determination that's it determination that's it thank you sir explained in different ways there's many different ways you can explain this but the yearning to get out of this life and reach the self well, i was just about. thinking about the aspect that it's not just about knowledge, I think, you know, you can read and read and read, but unless yeah. you bring it into your life, in your actions, yeah. and you can see, because that's the only way to decrease your vasanas, isn't it? And Absolutely. Reduce your desires. So somehow, yeah. and that in, in turn leads to less agitation. So that's your gauge, isn't it? Because if that continues to happen, you're not reaching that mamukshatra. Yeah. See, some people may just gain the knowledge because it, intellectually stimulates them. I love this subject. I always wanted to study the Gita. Now I know. You may recite it to others. You may you know, tell others about the verses and you can explain it to them, but you may have no mumukshatva. 
the desire to exhaust your vastness and reach that goal of being oneness with the self. So unless you see these scriptures, it's a tool to remove your vastness, to reduce your vastness. So you use this knowledge to help you to reduce your vastness by the intellect saying, not that desire, this desire. That's a worldly desire. This is a spiritual desire. That's the one I want to go to because I want to reduce my vastness and become one with Brahman. So you use this knowledge, it gives you the clarity to see the world for what it is and for you to develop. So just having a knowledge isn't all about, it's not just the only thing. You need to use it actively. Otherwise it's just the intellectual satisfaction stimulating your intellect. No. Each verse we cover, see how you can apply it in your life. I mean, they explain one thing in five different verses in so many different ways. If we still don't get it. <laughs> there's nothing we can do. You can go to all the classes. Any other questions? Does that fulfill your question, Arunaman? Does it satisfy your question? Okay, good. Good question. Okay, we'll cover, it's a short verse, 18. Vidya vinaya sampane brahmane kavihastini suni chaivasvapakecha pandita samadarsinaha Vidya Vinaya Sampane Brahmane Gavihastini Suni Chaivasvapakecha Pandita Samadarsinaha. The wise view equally a Brahmana endowed with learning and humility, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and even an outcast. The wise view equally a Brahmana endowed with learning and humility, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and even an outcast. Could you read paragraph one, please? No. Sages, absorbed in the supreme self within, see the self everywhere. To them, the self alone exists, nothing else. They see the same Atman in all beings. This verse specifies a few different types of humans and animals to represent the entire range of living beings. An enlightened one maintains an equal vision among them all. Thank you. Doesn't need much explanation, but what it's saying is in this, when you reach that state of self-realization, you will then view all beings as the one self the enlivening principle. Wherever you look out, you only see the self everywhere. You meet a sage, a spiritual person, or an outcast, meaning a person lying on the street, doing drugs, doing alcohol, no spiritual understanding. The two extremes of human beings, to a sage, someone who's enlightened, they're all the same. Why is that the case, by the way? You see a sage or you see an outcast, person lying on the street. Why do you see the self in them? Any idea? The knowledge you, you see the oneness in everyone and everything. Yeah. And that's obviously because of your knowledge and your higher intellect. So, Ravi, me and you, yeah, we got no hair. Yeah. Someone sees us, they'll, what is, what's the first thing they'll say? Fancy hairstyle. They got a, they're bald. They don't have any hair. They identify with the physical body. 
Yeah. Someone sees someone crying. Why are they crying? Emotional. They identify with their mind. Another person identifies with someone giving a lecture with their intellect. A spiritual person identifies with the self. That's why when they see anybody, no matter who they are, they don't see the physical body, they don't see their mind, they don't see the intellect, they only see the self. That's the difference between us and that person. They bypass all that. And there's another reference to animals, cow, dog, elephant, represents all living beings. Regardless of their material layers, a spiritually evolved person sees the one divinity in all beings. That's all they see, nothing else. When they look at the world, they only see the sun. Arunabhin, last two paragraphs, please. The verse covers the multifold variety of human beings by taking two extremes of humanity. It refers to a Brahmana and an outcast, Swapaka. A Brahmana endowed with spiritual knowledge and humility represents the highest quality of human beings. An outcast represents the lowest, most spiritually ignorant amongst humans. The verse then includes all other living beings with three significant choices from the animal kingdom, the cow, the dog, and the elephant. These animals seem to refer to the three gunas, qualities of beings. One can interpret the cow to represent the sattvika guna, the dog to the rajasika, and the elephant the tamasika. Thus, these subtle references to humans and animals indicate the entire range of living beings. Sages look with an equal eye at all beings. Their vision passes through the material layers of the body, mind and intellect, and recognizes the divinity within. They see the one self present in each and every living being. They view the same consciousness pervading everywhere. Thank you. That's it. One more verse in this uh, topic. Any questions? We won't cover that today. Any questions on this topic? So all these verses are actually saying the same thing. Reach the self. Eliminate your desires, your vastness, and reach the self. We have to say it differently too, because everyone's personality is different. Karma yoga, a person of service, person of devotion, per intellectual person, everything, it has to be explained differently for everyone. Otherwise, they don't, we don't understand it. Any clarifications? So, this is the end of the class then. We have found a hall to run classes. The ones in uh, Kenton and so on, the one, they're not available regularly and they're very expensive. But there is a hall near where I live in Denham. A very nice place. Spoken to the, um, the person who uh, is responsible for it. And it's 18 pounds an hour only, compared to 100 pounds an hour in Kenton. And parking is there, Wi-Fi is there, and we can have it every month, every two, every twice a month, it's up to us, from 10.30 to 12. So I'm gonna confirm that with them, and then we can try it out, see what everyone thinks. And it's not that far, by the way. It's 20, 20 minutes on a Sunday morning from where you are, because I know, because I always used to come there <laughs> to Kenton. So it's not that far. But depending on the amount of Mumukshatra you will have, 
you will attend to them. So this is a this is a measure of mumukshatra within you. Will you travel to the denim to get knowledge of the self? Yeah, Kevil. For the for the days that we run them at at the hall in person, would you still have uh, yes. a video feed? Yeah, we'll still have live Zoom. Yeah. Hence, the Wi-Fi was important. Yeah. Okay. They've just confirmed to me they have Wi-Fi. So, well, just to give you an idea, when I when I used to go to Bashka's class every Sunday morning, we used to travel to St. John's Wood, Regent's Park, basically, across Regent's Park, just to give you an idea, every Sunday morning, we used to travel to Regent's Park, just so we can gain some knowledge. This was before Zoom and everything. Some people travel to the Himalayas to get knowledge to the ashram to get knowledge. So it's a positive thing. And uh, people who used to come, they miss it. People who haven't experienced it, you'll find it's different. Person to person, you're more focused. Your mind doesn't wander as much. And Denham is a beautiful place. So even the surroundings will make you feel one with Brahman. Any questions? We'll let you know when the first class. It all depends on you guys when you want to come. Yeah, is that all right? Great. Ravi, would you put it on the group uh, when we can start? Um, and I'll send you a link to the place as well. Okay. It's five minutes off the A40, basically. I'll put it together, yeah, because you send me the link and then um, obviously we need to sort out as well we'll get that all done yeah great benita i excuse you if you can't make it <laughs> all right thanks everyone